Welcome to the GoBundance Podcast, the audio channel for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic lives. You know, the problem with most successful guys is they are awesome, yet at the same time, they suck. <laughs> They're too one-dimensional. Like, they have big, fat money, but also a big, fat gut. <laughs> or the opposite. They may look good as hell naked, but if you look in their savings account, they're as broke as a $3 watch. Some may have both muscle strength and financial strength, but they've been divorced five times and their kids don't even speak to them. Some have huge smiley family portraits in their foyer, but not a single friend that's honest and objective with them. Some may be gregarious as hell, surrounded by people and hugs galore, but their charitable giving is shameful. Come on, man. Really? That's all you gave back? I think you get my point by now. At GoBundance, we know we're not perfect, but our goal is to be better. Better multidimensionally in six simple categories. We call these our pillars. Number one, horizontal income. Number two, age-defying health. Number three, bucket list adventures. Number four, genuine contribution. Number five, authentic relationships. And number six, extreme accountability. So speaking of number six, let's dig into this week's interview with a GoBro. And you can tell me. Is he walking the talk, or is he a false prophet? <laughs> Have you dreamed of being part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but maybe you're just not quite there yet on the balance sheet? You haven't hit that million-dollar net worth, but you understand the value of being part of this community and part of this brand and why the six pillars are so important and they're important to you? Well, we've got a great opportunity for any one of you out there that are seeking one day to be whole life millionaires and join GoBundance. That is our Emerge program from GoBundance. My name is Jamie Gruber. I'm host of the GoBundance podcast, founder of the Emerge program, and I'm proud to say that we've been able to put a couple of hundred students through the Emerge program with stellar results. They've been able to achieve goals, transform their lives, and get to the next level of life that they aspire to simply by being part of this incredible program. With the Emerge program, we have three objectives. The first is to create transformation. You're going to establish a goal at the very beginning of this 12-week course, and every week you're going to get a content drop. You're going to get curriculum. You're going to get support from the community in you achieving that goal by the end of the 12 weeks. Along with that, our second objective is proximity. You're going to have proximity to like-minded people just like you, people that you don't have in your regular life right now that you can relate to and talk about what it is you're trying to achieve in life. And they're going to hold you accountable to whatever you say you want to do or better yet, whoever you say you want to be. With proximity also comes the GoBundance community. Every Tuesday evening, we bring in a GoBundance member and we Q&A them in our millionaire case study segment. Right before that, you get to hang out with your fellow Emerge members on Tuesday evening. And Thursday morning, Diego Corzo comes live to you to teach you about different areas of being a whole life millionaire. And lastly, our third objective, we're going to be watching. We want to make sure you're accountable to achieving what you want and finishing this course. And if you do you'll get an exclusive invite to our Ascend Mastermind where we can really dive in and dig deep on getting you to that whole life millionaire status. Go to GoBundance.com slash Emerge. Put in coupon code Emerge for $200 off this one-time charge and lifetime access to the Emerge program. You won't regret it. Check out what it's done for other people on the website, and I hope to see all of you in Emerge.
Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tribe of Millionaires podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Gruber. And here today, we have a real estate investor, real estate agent, and really just an all-around realist, Shelby Osborne from our GoBundance Women's Tribe. How are you, Shelby? I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm stoked to be here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I love that you're here. For those watching on video, you'll see the North Carolina loyalty that she has by wearing it literally on her sleeve, shirt, whatever it may be. Uh, right. But let's dive in. So I'm assuming North Carolina is part and parcel of your story. Give us your story from the time you were born through now. What's the story of Shelby Osborne? Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So once upon a time, I yes. was born <laughs> back in 1990 and my dad was in the army. My dad was infantry, super uh, aggressive is the wrong word, but very motivated, focused. Sure. And I grew up in that sort of environment and that sort of household. And it was very supportive, but I do think that the structure and the standards in which I was brought up in have infiltrated every piece of my life. And um, so we moved every single year growing up. And I was the new kid every single year until seventh to eighth grade. And that also shaped me and the ability to walk in somewhere where you don't know anyone and walk out with some friends. And I, I was a competitive gymnast as well growing up. So I was in the gym for four to five hours every single day from Monday and through Saturday. And I did well. I was in the Junior Olympics <laughs> National Championships twice. So basically, that was my childhood. It's funny. I normally don't dig into that part on podcasts. People, I usually just start in, which is where I'll go into now, which yeah. I graduated college and went into the military for six years and was stationed at Fort Lewis, Washington, and then PCS, which is moved essentially <laughs> to Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And so I did love parts of the army when I was in it. I was in human resources. So I did the paperwork part of it, but I still got to do the fun stuff. So like go to ranges and then I was airborne. So I got to jump out of airplanes and I was air assault honor grad. So I got to repel out of helicopters and all that was really fun. But then it gets to a point where you're starting to notice as you become more comfortable. Oh, you look like you're going to ask something. No. We're gonna ask. Oh. <laughs> I was just adjusting, just adjusting. Oh. <laughs> gotcha. It's kind of like with anything, as you begin to settle into a role in an organization, you start to pick your head up from just survival mode and look around. And I became increasingly frustrated with a lot of the things that I saw in regards to like inefficiencies or the way decisions were made or the the quickness of decisions that impacted and had this ripple effect. And I looked ahead to what my future could be for the next five, 10, 15 years. And I saw what that was in the military. And although I love the military for so many reasons, I decided to get out and pursue real estate full-time as an investor first, and then also as an agent, because I wanted to stop trading my time for money and real estate after doing some research was the perfect avenue for that. And so then after I got out of the military, this is, this is 2018 now, January 2018 is when I started to dive in full time. By the end of 2018, I was the Keller Williams Rookie of the Year for the Carolinas region, which is all of North and South Carolina, closed 48 deals as a solo agent that year. And I also ended that first year with 16 doors in my portfolio. And then fast forward a couple more years and we've expanded to Charlotte. And now we just changed our model and we're nationwide now, five pillars team at EXP is my jam. It's a bunch of veteran, but also investor savvy, investor minded agents who've kind of built a community in trying to get agents out of um, the hamster wheel that is the agent life. And then yeah. up to 74 doors in my portfolio. And um, I just will 
stop rambling now, Jamie. <laughs> not a ramble, not a ramble at all. There's so much there. And uh, I want to touch on the, the hamster wheel that you talked on as uh, talked about as well as these 74 doors. But I want to go back a second here. Sure. Something you said that kind of interested me. You said the army infiltrated your life in so many ways. You started to share examples of maybe like the moving and, you know, uh, learning how to be social in new environments. But what are some other things that you think today are representative of the fact, not so that your stint in the army, maybe, but from your childhood and what you observed of your father and the lifestyle that you had back then? I'm kind of curious, what, what other areas of your life today were impacted by that part of your childhood? Yeah, I wonder how much of it was the military and how much of it was my father, because now that I've been in the military and you know this in every organization, there's different types of people, regardless of whether the, what the organization is. Um, and so I actually a lot some of it, I'm sure, came from the army, but a lot of it came from my dad and he would repeatedly say certain sayings over and over again that I still hear in like the back of my mind now where it's like standards, no compromise is one of them. And life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you deal with it. And PMA was something he would say all the time, like positive mental attitude, PMA all the way will take you to the top. So like <laughs> I could go on. He literally brainwashed me as a child. And I'm so grateful because I live like I live that shit. You know what I mean? Good. I like that. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, on the um, uh, flashing forward now, so you decide to join the army. You talked about that's an interesting take. You know how much of it was the army, and then once you got in, you got a better sense of what the army culture was about. Right. And really, your dad's representation of the army to you is maybe more what the influence was, or his him. You know his his brand, I guess. How much of the of the move to the army was mm -hmm. dad's push, dad's influence versus your your sole desire to do so? Combination. And it wasn't even my sole desire. A lot of people are like, oh, like you went out to serve your country, which like I love my country, don't get me wrong. But ultimately I wanted to go to a certain college that my dad was like, I'm not paying for you, like figure it out. And so army made sense because I got a full ride. I was in the RTC program and got a scholarship. And then it was cool because you get a guaranteed job <laughs> when you come out. So, you know, that, that set me up for the next four years. So it was, I'm sure a lot of it was an influence after seeing my dad and what he did in the military over the years, but it all kind of aligned to be the best route for me as well. So you're, you're young, 31, 32 years old. If, if I, if I'm doing the math, right, right. I'll be 31 in September. Oh shit. Uh, 13 days. 13 days. There you go. <laughs> yeah. so 31. 13 days. So yeah. you're young, you've had a lot of success in, uh, in a short period of time. And you, uh, you know, the military takes you to about what, 24 ish. Is that when you left? Uh, 27. So 21, it? 27. It was, mm -hmm. Yeah. And you've ramped up, there. you've ramped up this portfolio of 74 doors and all of what you're doing post military, or was it a little bit in the military? So by the time I got out of the military, I had three doors technically. So when I first went to my duty station, back to my dad, dude, he should listen to this one. <laughs> back, We're not done um, with him. We're not done with him. I got more. But go ahead. He's got a lot. I mean, we could do a whole thing on him. That man's wild. But when I was moving to my first duty station, back when I had just graduated, just commissioned into the military, my dad was like, Shelby, there's this thing and it's called a VA loan and you can buy a house for 0% down. And then instead of paying someone else's mortgage, you can pay your own. I'm like, yeah, shut up, dad, whatever. But ultimately after I'd you know been there a couple months, I was like, that's kind of smart. And so <laughs> ended up buying the place that I was renting. I just asked the owner if I could buy it. And so that was my very first door. It was a total not 
intentional investment property. It just made sense. And then I held it when I moved to North Carolina. And then my other two that I got before I got out was right before I got out. I closed on them in November of 2017 and I got out in December of 2018. So I started ramping up in the real estate, like the April of 2017 is when I made the decision. And so from there is when I started ramping up to be ready by 2018. So still, I mean, three doors, it's not 74, right? 71 doors in a, in a short period of time that you've grown uh, and you've got this passion around agents on the hamster wheel. I, I am curious, what was dad's reaction to you leaving the army, to you going down this path that you've gone down a little bit less structured maybe than what he was used to growing up? I mean, yeah. it sounds like his mindset was pretty open when you were a kid, but I'm kind of curious what the what the dynamics were like with with him, because it sounds like he's somebody that's been so central to your life. When you decided to leave the thing that he made a career out of and go down maybe an uncertain path in real estate, how did that fly? Any conversation? Was it completely fine? Kind of curious. His father was not pleased. <laughs> um, no. Okay. So yeah, he was not confident. Not that he lacked confidence in me. It's just an unconventional yeah. conversation. Hey dad, I'm going to leave the security of a job where I know how much income I'm going to get. I have all these benefits. Um, health insurance is a cool thing. Uh, and I'm just going to go out and I'm going into a completely 100% commission industry. And I'm going to become a real estate investor on the side as well. And originally both my parents were like, okay, let's think long and hard about this. And also please don't make the decision that you want to. But now after this fact, um, I looking back, so they were concerned, of course, but my, I think my dad was also concerned about losing that direct connection with me. Like he, we talked about the military a lot. I would call him and ask questions. He had years and years of experience. So like when I was going through tough times, I'd call my dad and be like, Hey, what do I do in this situation? So I think he was also nervous about losing that to the point where he actually ended up getting his license when I got out and got really into real estate so we could have that. Um, not that he can never lose, but, <laughs> but yeah, if that answers your question, they were not yeah. all about it, but now they're, they're cool with it. Well, yeah, it's the old saying of uh, uh, people will root against you until they're rooting for you. And I don't think they were rooting against you. I'm sorry, until you give them a reason to root for you, until it's popular to root for you. Uh, I don't think they were rooting against you. That wasn't your, your story. Those are my words. But it kind of is part and parcel with that. They had caution and concern. And then when they see you prove the model, it's like, yeah, hey, look at you. You're glad you did what you did. Uh, similar story with my parents a little bit. But um, but yeah, so so with that then, you're what, 27, 28 years old. You're leaving the military. You're going down an uncertain path. You're kind of bucking the trend of a, of a powerful you know, parental figure and what he feels is best for you. I'll be honest. I don't know if I could have done that at 27, 28. I don't know if I'd have the confidence or the wherewithal or, or whatever that, that you had to make that choice. I'd be very influenced, in other words, by somebody strong like your dad and his opinion, his life experience, all of that. What do you think in you allowed you to divert, allowed you to follow this sort of you know path that you have or this this whisper that you heard saying, this is the direction you should go. What, what do you credit that to, if anything? I hope it wasn't just me being naive <laughs> and that it all just worked out by luck. But um, no, I would say that the honest answer of that is he raised me to be this way. So although it seems like this, you know, bucking off the authority that, you know, the strong... He also raised me to be strong and to be able to stand on my own two feet in any situation. And although it doesn't, you know, it probably, he didn't appreciate it in that moment. It is the person that he wanted me to be. So thanks to him is the reason why I was able to do it. 
There you go. So that is the through line through all of the story. That's amazing. <laughs> Talk to me about agents on the hamster wheel. That's an interesting phrasing that you used earlier. Uh, yeah. What does that mean? I'm not an agent. I think I get your point. But for those that may not be uh, in that space, what does that mean? And and then just take us through you know, what you've done maybe to start to get off of that or help others get off of that. Yes. Okay. So agents on the hamster wheel. In the life of real estate as an agent and you're working for commissions, it's always about closing the next deal, closing the next deal. And there's not a retirement that you're working for. There's no sort of residual income. It's like you close, you get a commission, you you live until that commission is you know, done. And then you go out and find the new one. And it's always like this feeling of like, Oh God, what's next? And this pressure upon you. So I'm passionate about helping people take that active income that they, they earn from their commissions and pouring it into a passive income and asset. So either whether that's investing in real estate or um, being in touch with a firm that gives you the opportunity for passive investment streams of income, horizontal income. So like, for instance, the firm I'm with now has a revenue share model and stock options. And so I love that because it's like you are getting passive income from stuff that you would be doing anyway. And with when you close deals, they give you stock into their company. So basically, it all started with investing in real estate, though. I found the firm after the fact, and I was like, this is just another stream and another pool benefit. But I, I, I've seen agents go for 20 years running on this wheel, and I want them to know that there's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and it doesn't have to be that far away. It can be here soon. Why, why don't... So there's a lot of agents in GoBundance, but I feel like they go in both men's and women's. I feel mm-hmm. like they get there, you get there, because you may be a bit divergent mindset-wise in this particular space from the regular agent, the, you know, the run-of-the-mill agent, if you will, right. or any other agent out there. Why don't agents think that way? Why? What is it about the that, that business that makes makes it feel like you got to keep going on the hamster wheel, you got to keep grinding, and they don't take that active and put, convert it to passive? I'm really not sure that it ever even enters, enters their radar. And I, I feel this way in a lot of things where people are like, well, why don't they think this way about, you know, the information's out there, it's on the internet. Well, you have to know that it's you don't have to know where to look. You have to know what to search. You have to know it's even an option out there before you can open your mind to the possibility. And, and I think that that comes from you know the people who you choose to have in your circle and the influences that you choose to expose yourself to. It's the idea population. It's the cross-pollination of ideas that opens their eyes to, oh, wow, that is actually something that I could do. I could take this commission check and pour it into something that will pay me for life. So I think that it's just because they don't know. They haven't been exposed to it. If that makes sense. It does. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, they, to your point, they're not exposed to it. And, and, you know, I think the elephant in the room here a little bit that I want to talk about, this has been uh, sort of swelling is your relationship, not your relationship, but EXP, is EXP specifically, uh, who I think you mentioned you have, you're, you're in that, in that uh, I don't know what the phrasing is, brokerage? Is that the right yes, word? Yes, firm brokerage. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure, sure. Gotcha. Sorry. I, again, not in that space. Why has that become so popular recently? I've heard a lot of people switching. There are a lot of abundance members are coming into the EXP world. Right. Um, you mentioned equity. You mentioned stock. I get that. But what is it about this EXP thing that keeps getting momentum? Why do I keep hearing about it? Well, it depends on who you ask. I talk, I talk to agents all the time like about whether or not they're happy where they're at. And it's a different conversation every single time based on what that person's looking for. But I would mm. say the people in GoBundance, like, they're investor-minded they're business minded. And it just, it makes sense because in EXP, you're going to be doing the same things that you do in other firms, closing deals, working with clients, transactional, 
But with that, you get the benefits of stock in the company for doing nothing else than you would have normally done. You're going to close a deal anyway, and they give you free stock in some situations. Other situations, you can buy their stock at 50%, which is great. And then the revenue share model, people are like, oh, it's a pyramid scheme. Well, every think about any, every business. <laughs> Is every business not a pyramid? There's like someone who's at the top, whether or not whatever firm you're in. But the cool thing about EXP is like everyone's at the top of their own damn pyramid <laughs> because it's, and it's all about bringing in people who are also um, on that same path and on that same drive into your community and then helping them. That's the difference too, be- between other firms. So in other firms, it, it becomes a competition. Generally, it's like, oh gosh, scarcity mindset. That's my deal, whatever. You know, I'm not going to teach you because then you'll be better than me. Whereas in EXP, it's beneficial to teach those around you to be successful because when they're successful, the revenue share model takes into effect. When they're successful, the free stock comes your way. So it just builds like a completely different mindset, in my opinion, uh, in so many ways. It's been disruptive, right? And, and, and you know, probably Keller Williams is the last... Uh, firm uh, brokerage that you could think of that had that kind of disruption that EXP has had uh, recently. To your point, I, you call it what your pyramid scheme, who knows? Uh, one part of this, and this is personally curious, but I, I know there are, you know, like sort of non-agents, or I think there are non-agents that can be in the EXP sort of pipeline or in the in the downline or whatever that are maybe, I don't know, influencers or people who invest or whatever, who still can benefit from being a part of EXP. How does that work? That's just that part I heard recently. And I just, maybe you can explain it to me. I don't understand it. Yeah. So that works by being able to attract performers because if you attract someone to EXP and they, they write you down as your sponsor, then when they close deals, it's part of that revenue share model of the, the cut that goes back to EXP anyway, EXP pays out a roughly 50% of what was given to them in their revenue share model. And so that's how if influencers can come in and be like, Hey, I just got my license. Come, whatever. And then if they attract producers, then it can be beneficial for them. But yeah, it's super cool. But it also like promotes, uh, yeah, I could ramble about how it promotes you to share things. So like, for instance, I, five pillars team at EXP was an old school model, which a old fashioned real estate team where we used to take 50% from our agents and we did everything for them. We provided everything for them in exchange for 50% of their commission. And because of the revenue share model at EXP, I can now give away everything that I charged for 50% for, 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 for free. Because I'm like, oh my gosh, use all these tools, of course, go out there and be successful. And so I think that that's the part that people overlook as well. It's like, sure, an influencer can come and make money, but also it like allows you to give out way more value without having to be like, I need something in return. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Again, one of those things that's come up a lot and I just felt like, yeah, why not? Why not dive in here? We kind of jumped around it, but didn't touch it uh, head on. So 74 doors, what does that look like? Is it 74 single family homes, multifamily? And give us a little bit more of a look into your deal flow, how you're, how you're, you know, how you've accelerated so quickly. Yeah. So um, right now there are 19 of those are short-term rentals. Four of those 19 are arbitrages. So I guess it's 74 door plus four arbitrages. arbitrages. And then the rest are just long-term rentals. But ever since I discovered the power of short-term, I will not go back. 
too long term. Uh, <laughs> it's so powerful. But yeah, so it's it's a complete variety of doors within this of deals within this portfolio. I have a couple of single families. My short term rentals are primarily single families. And then I have some small multis. So eight unit, I have an eight unit, I have a six unit, a five unit, and then a bunch of quads, tries, duplexes and single families. Is this, a, is this in the Carolinas? Do you keep it local or are you a little bit in, in different markets? Yeah. So it's almost exclusively in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I have my one door that I still have in Washington state for my army days. And then I have uh, two and then I'm flipping one in Charlotte where I'm at currently. Gotcha. Do you, uh, do you, uh, do you have partners on this or are you doing this all on your own at this point? Yeah. So I have had partners. I have partners on some of them. There's a, a handful of these are 50, 50. I have a couple that are 66%. And then I have a, the chunk is hundred percent. Gotcha. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So you're literally taking active income from your, from your, your work with EXP, your realtor days and converting it over here and then letting that, you know, exactly. uh, that flip that burr, whatever, just buy the next one, buy the next one and going from there. Yes. Amazing. At your age, especially, I mean that, I mean, that's just unbelievable how, how quickly you've scaled and how disciplined you've been with this, but it sounds like it's part and parcel to your story, right? The, the yeah. discipline that you came My up dad. with. So. <laughs> that's your dad. That's your dad. Your old dad. All right, go bros. We have our 2022 couples trip of a lifetime. Here's the deal. When you think romance, the one country that comes to mind, we are talking about Italy. Here is the epic itinerary. Day one. This is April 1st, 2022. We're going to arrive in Florence and take a private transfer to the city center. There we're going to go on a guided walking tour of Florence. We're going to discover all kinds of ancient beginnings where we'll finish the day with a welcome dinner at a local restaurant. Day two. After breakfast, we're going to visit some historic workshops and learn about the ancient Florentine artisanal tradition. Then enjoy a special leather hands-on workshop. In the afternoon, challenge yourself to a hands-on Tuscan food cooking class and then feast on your creations for dinner. Day three, April 3rd, we're hitting the countryside. In the company of your local art historian guide, visit a Galleria commissioned in 1560. Leonardo da Vinci, Botticelli, Tizzanio, Michelangelo, all have hung out in this joint here after lunch at your leisure travel to the tuscan countryside and check out your hotel and dinner at the inner restaurant day four a full day excursion to siena today soak up the medieval flavor of the city on this walking tour through city center see palazzo Publico, the colorful marble clad cathedral and piazzo del campo one of italy's most beautiful squares then we're going to hit a leisurely bike ride through the vineyards blanketing the surrounding landscape day five we are going to start the day by driving fiat 500 cars along the enchanting roads of gorgeous tuscan countrysides and we're going to land in the Bocelli Vineyards. Yes, the Andrea Bocelli. His family is gonna serve us wine 
end and an incredible meal. Day six, transfer to Rome with a stopover in Orvieto. Orvieto is one of the most striking, memorable, and enjoyable hill towns in central Italy. Less than 90 minutes from Rome, it sits majestically high above a valley floor atop a big chunk of Tufo volcanic stone. After lunch, we continue on to our hotel in Rome's historic center. Day 7. Wake up early and see the Sistine Chapel. Marvel at some of the world's most spectacular works at the Vatican Museums. Then visit St. Peter's Square in its soaring basilica. Of course, we will not miss the iconic Colosseum, the massive amphitheater that accommodated 50,000 spectators with gladiators prepared for battle. Next, be thrilled by a specially arranged visit inside formerly the Temple of Antonius. Here, enjoy a lecture on ancient Rome given by a prominent Roman art historian. Day 8, we reach Tivoli and visit the amazing Hadrian's Villa. After lunch at an enchanting local restaurant, we turn to Rome for a leisurely stroll through the charming neighborhood of Trastevere one of Rome's most authentic and vibrant areas. This epic adventure for you and your significant other covers all internal transfer, incredible, highly rated boutique accommodations. If you're ready to wow your significant other and show him or her how much you really love them, get signed up for Italy 2022. All right, cool. Let's we have to call this episode that like lessons from my what would you say rigid to help me form the episode title right now. Lessons from my rigid dad. My Ooh, I gotta make standards. sure it's something that he likes. So <laughs> I will. I'll think on it and let yeah, you know yeah, yeah. if that's okay. Send me a message. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well. All right. Let's dive into uh, the six pillars of GoBundance. Go through the one sheet, uh, and we're going to start with the first pillar, which is horizontal income. So talk to me about the lines of income. You mentioned multifamily, uh, all of this stuff. Just give me kind of your lines of income right now. How many and what, where you, where you, you mentioned short-term is becoming something you won't go back from. So I assume that's becoming a larger percentage of your, of your, uh, your income. Yes. Um, okay. So essentially I have five different streams of horizontal income. The first of which is the rentals. So I have both short-term and long-term within that and then I have the second is the stuff that I mentioned with the firm. So I have revenue share and stocks within that. Uh, the third would be referrals, which this is, I consider it passive, which, which by the way, passive horizontal, same time. This is, yep. yeah. Okay, cool. So I consider it this because with all things, I'm really about systematizing it, putting the right person in place, and then letting that person run the play. And so with referrals for real estate, I, I'm sure most people, maybe, maybe they don't know that when someone inquires to me, Hey, Shelby, I'm looking to buy, sell or invest. And then I pair them with an agent, that agent, when they close usually gets 3% commission. And then they will give me a 25% portion of that 3% as a, Hey, thanks for connecting us. And so, um, with that, when inquiries come in via social media or networking events or whatever the case may be, I have a person in charge of the referrals for tracking, doing the paperwork, managing, following up, et cetera, to pay out. So that's the third source. Then we have a pillars investors program. So five pillars team is my baby. 
And we have an investor program in which all of the tools that I talked about that we provided to our agents for that 50%, we allow, you know, if people want to be a part of our little crew and have access to all those tools, systems, checklists, all of those things, then there's a subscription and it's a, it's a monthly subscription for that. And then the last one is just apparel, which is completely outsourced through T public. But Very so cool. yeah, those things. <laughs> nice. What are the, I'm curious, apparel, what is the apparel? Is it what you're with like the shirt you're wearing or is it? Yes. It's yeah. It's just like this, but then it's also like the, all the I series. I don't, you probably haven't seen them. It's like my community of real estate super nerds. It's probably pretty niche, but you'll see them now. People are wearing like I Burr or I Burr and B or I Flip. Oh, it's I all of the, yeah, those yeah, houses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those shirts. Sure, um, yeah. yeah, those are. And then we have like five pillar stuff, but no one really wants to wear that unless they're on the team. So like, well, hey, they say the, the riches are in the niches. So that's awesome that you've got down a niche that you can that you can market to. Go back real quick. I'm, I'm curious. You mentioned about the referral uh, system that you have and how it's systematized. Somebody's looking at that. Somebody inquires on social media. Uh, they track your referrals. Can you get a little more yes. nitty gritty on that? What is that like? Is that a VA that it takes it? Do you have a, a network of, of agents that you have an automatic referral to? Like, Can you give me a, a sense of what that looks like? Sure, sure. Yeah. So when we changed our model from the old fashioned 50-50 split model to the, the EXP family tree model that we have now, I had an entire staff of admin. I had transaction coordinators, listing coordinators, the marketing, all of that sort of things. And so I went to each of them and was like, hey, look, um, we're changing our model. If you would like to start your own business, I will help you build up your own company and doing the same job that you're doing now. And then if the agents, if and when they want their services, they can go direct to you. And so and I'm not taking anything from their company. This is just because I fucking love these people. They're, they're yeah. like my humans. Uh, <laughs> and so one piece of that was, which by the way, we just went through, I went through the whole list of stuff that like, I did not want to take back. You know, as you're building a business, you're like pushing different aspects into different people's lanes. So that way you can work on your 20% or the things that really bring you energy. And so I was going through the list of stuff that I like, oh, I don't want to take that back. <laughs> and one of those was the referral piece. And so the process looks like the inquiry comes to me. I forward it to Sarah, our referral girl. She piece, pairs it with the respective agent based on the inquiry. So if it's a residential inquiry, an investor inquiry, the location, sometimes she has to interview if we don't have a team member specific to that location. Mm -hmm. And then she will you know, call, interview, do the, the document, the referral form. And then the most important part of really anything probably is the check-ins to ensure the follow-through. Because as you know, in, in business and in life, you can't fire and forget a request. You can be like, oh, here's the referral form. Have a great day. See you. Because you'll never get paid out. You'll never know whether or not that client was happy and whether the thing got closed. And yeah. so she has a systemized process of just checking in with both the client and the agent to ensure things are on track and ensure... The whole process goes smoothly. Does that Amazing. Make sense? Yeah, 100%. That's great. I appreciate you going step by step through that. That's very helpful. Uh, let's jump over to the age defying health uh, uh, section. So, uh, as a women's member, I'll ask what the women's one sheet says, which is how many pounds off goal, if any, are you right now? Okay. So, I tried to weigh myself this morning. Actually, my scale is dead. So, it is now in the trash can. However, <laughs> I feel freaking good right now. So, in November, uh, my team and I are going to Belize on, we do an annual international trip this year. We're going to Belize. And so there's a few of us who are like, yo, let's see how freaking shredded we can get between now and then. So today is day seven 
of our 67 day challenge before Belize. And that's no processed food at all. Nothing in a package, nothing processed and no added sugar, no alcohol. Basically, if it grew from the ground or if it was killed, you can eat it. Mm. <laughs> and I, the first couple of days were kind of rough, but I'm feeling very light. I'm feeling very strong. Like I did sprints this morning and I was like, fuck, I'm, you know, like I was flying in my head. Yeah. I was not really flying. <laughs> well, it feels so, good, right? Hey, yeah. I've got some dead frogs in our pool filter. Happy to send them down there if that helps. If they, they, we killed them with chlorine. I don't know if that counts. You know what? Maybe I'll check. There's one guy who's kind of in charge about telling us whether or not we can eat it. So I'll throw that in the group chat. Thank you very much for. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll package them up on ice and I'll send them 24 hours to you. Say, hey, I just want to feed. I want to feed you. I want to make sure you have enough uh, enough protein going into this You're whole six so seven kind. day challenge. Of course, yes. of course. <laughs> so diet. We talked about exercise. You mentioned running. What what uh, what else do you do for exercise? Or is that kind of your primary thing? Is it is it getting out and running? It's literally never been my primary thing until super recently. So I grew up competitive gymnast like yeah. hardcore. So love that. Love anything with my body, like hopping fences, climbing over shit. And so I loved CrossFit. When I got out of the military, I found CrossFit and I was like, this is my jam. And I competed, like would travel, do competitions, all the things. And then I was trying to hurt, man. Like my back hurts, my freaking hips hurt, <laughs> my shoulder. And so I've been taking a little, a little break. And with that, I've been running, which has been helpful though, because listening, getting my head set in the morning, whether it's listening to music and, and just like being with the trees, there's like something about nature or whether it's like learning whatever topic it is of the moment, it's been really powerful time for me, which is cool. mental and physical, I guess, aligning the two at the same time. Right. Yes. That's very cool. Are you trail running or more just like running in your neighborhood kind of thing? So neighborhood sometimes, but even super close to my neighborhood, I, I live right by Freedom Park, which for those of you near Charlotte, it's super cool park. And there's also a greenway, which, which runs right along a river. So there's like the little river stream thing, and then it runs through trees where you can't see any people, no houses. And so it's those moments where you can pull yourself out of where you are and see how insignificant you are. <laughs> and yeah. it's like a really good reset. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely does. Yeah. Getting back to nature, getting quiet, getting clear. It makes a ton of sense. Absolutely. You're grounding in some ways. Totally. Uh, how about family? We talked about dad, mom, uh, married kids, single. What, what's, uh, what's your family status right now? I'm not married. No kids. I haven't picked out though. So <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll probably get married in the next year. And then kids are on. I want them. I think so growing up, I was like, nah, no kids. Even, even when I was hardcore business, real estate grind hustle every single day, I was like, kids, no way. And now I'm like, holy shit. Like what could be more powerful and fulfilling and cool than just have a little human that you can create into hopefully an amazing, you know, future leader of the world. <laughs> I love that. Hey, think big, right? Absolutely. My, uh, my, my, my wife and I were the same way. We were married five years and it was always, why would we have kids? We had a great, we can, I remember we lived in Boston and we would fly to Vegas like that day. Like, what do you want to do tonight? Nah, let's go to Vegas. And I the hell with it, right? Like nothing tying you down. And we would do that. Uh, and it took a drive down the Pacific Coast Highway for us to spend a lot of time together and say, what's next? Let's see if we have kids. Let's try for kids. So, And she was, yeah, about 30. So I think there's, there's probably a natural timeline in there. I was in my mid-30s at that point, but uh, a natural timeline in there where it starts to feel like, you know what? What's the purpose? What, what's next? And then I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, you'll have the first kid. You won't want a second kid until the first kid is one, and then you'll start to forget everything and want that second kid uh, only to say, oh, wow, that's right. 
this was tough. And then people, they, they either go down the path of like, I'm done. That was us. Or they want three, four, five, eight kids. So we'll see. I'll follow your path for the next few years. We'll see what happens. Dude, thank you for sharing that. I love like, and I would, I would love to pick your brain on the whole, you know, what you've discovered. Cause I love hearing when people are, we're similar, like, ah, kids, why? Yeah. And then make that change. Um, it's cool. So yeah. thank you. Oh no, yeah. We can absolutely chat. We'll chat after we stop recording. <laughs> I love it. All right. So we talked about family life happiness. What's your life happiness index right now? And what are you yes. working on? In that? Okay. So my life happiness index, switch tabs here. It says 7.68, which I, so this was kind of interesting for me because it's, it's super subjective and yep. it's, it's all depends on how hard you want to be on yourself. And it's like, okay, my life happiness index compared to X, or is it like what I want or- yeah, it could it could be either. So here's here's one. Like there's one in there, uh, something like m- music and dance, right? And some, you know, it's funny that this question comes up more from the smarter tribe, the women's tribe, the guys' tribe is like, I don't dance, no music, zero. Like this, the you know, binary man, caveman brain, right? But the the best take I've heard on that is like, well, if you don't care about music and if it's not something that you really want in your life, then it's perfect. Could it be a 10? I mean, it's exactly where you want it to be. So I don't know if that helps, but that's the that. best explanation I've heard. So I don't know if that changes your life happiness index at all, but I'll yeah. go through it again. <laughs> so what do you but, think you're working on most right now then? Honestly, I it's funny, this turned into a big family thing, but what I'm working on most is I've I've taken a hardcore gap between when I got out of the military, when my brain just lit on fire in regards to real estate, making the future that I want to be, as opposed to I was just living before, you know, punching the clock. And I, the change that I'm making now is during those three years where I was full throttle grind every single day, I, I really lost touch with some of the relationships that I hold dear just because I was so hyper-focused. And if it wasn't directly in my path of progress, it was, I will get to that later. And so, and that's been, it's been a, you know, good realization that I need to refocus. So I'm going to spend more time with my, with my parents and with my family and those relationships who really matter to me, but I haven't done a good job of showing it. Interesting. What, what, um, is there is there a feeling of obligation in doing that or is there a feeling of desire? That is such a good question. It is definitely both. So I I've the obligation is there but also the I mean they've told me we'd love to see you more, we'd love to hear from you more and that it, and even they've told me for a while now but it's now that I'm starting to listen. And so there was like the obligation, you know, part yeah, of it, sure, but then sure. More and more, as I look forward to what I want in my life and my future and my family and my kids, it's like, I want my family to be a big part of that. And also their experiences that shaped me into who I am. I feel like I want to learn more about that and how that they made the decisions that they did. And I just feel like all together, it could shape for a, a much more like beautiful future for all of us. I like that. It's tough. It's a tough thing. I, I, I struggle with this myself. Um, and, and there is definitely that feeling of obligation and, you know, uh, I, I don't want to have the regret, you know, they're gone and I didn't spend the kind of time I could have with them or whatever, right. As, especially as they age and I age for that matter. But uh, there is an interesting, there is an interesting sort of, uh, a beautiful selfishness in some way, I guess I could say, to leaning into, you know, the people that I do lean into and, and not as much to the folks that I call it, you know, the difference between the folks that are in my remember when bucket family, friends that I've had forever. 
right. um, versus the folks that are in my imagine when that can see the future version of me bucket, which is abundance in many ways. There is an energy I get maybe. And again, I feel a little guilty about it. An energy I get in bucket B that I don't quite feel the same level of in bucket A. Like I'm, I'm ticking the time down with bucket A and I can't wait to get to bucket B if that makes sense. But I have the obligation to bucket A. I, I don't know where the buckets came from, but it I don't know if that makes sense or not, but does that resonate or is that kind of where you are? It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, it makes perfect sense. And I, I agree. I feel far more energy around certain people for sure, but I do want to be more appreciative of the fact for me, this is me personally, that other people have things to offer in different ways that I have not appreciated it, but I know it's there. And if it's like, if I allow myself to slow down enough and stop thinking about all the things (laughs) ahead and really be appreciative of what there is presently to give that, I think that that's what I'm shooting for. And not even saying like, spend all my time there. Like I'm still totally bucket, whatever the energy bucket was, <laughs> but if that makes sense. B, I think it was B, B. or A, I don't know, whatever one it was. No, that's, that's great. I, I, you really did, a, I think a nice job because I was honestly asking for me because I struggle with that. I just had this conversation with my parents uh, yesterday. Like, you know, we used to talk a lot more <laughs> like, I know, sorry, but it is funny how, and nothing against my parents, they're wonderful people, but like, right. I just, I crave the energy of this, yes. of this group that I'm around. Uh, and you know, this, this future set, but I, I, I like how you brought it back to the simple concept of just being present, you know, being present allows you to kind of see, see the value of, 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 uh, of spending time with both groups of people, if you will, or, or cultivating relationships that mean something to you, as you said. So no, really well said a lot of wisdom in that. I appreciate that. Uh, contribution. Let's go into that real quick. We're, we're wrapping up on time. Uh, what do you contribute or what percentage do you try to contribute time money either way, uh, per year? So I, I much more contribute time, at least at this point. And I think that that will change as I continue to grow. But right now, so the, the I like to spend my time with agents who, that just like we talked about, who want change. I'm, I'm done trying to push, you know, hey, look at this. Hey, like, you know, that is the most exhausting thing that you can do is try to make people care. And yeah. so the model has changed that anyone who wants time and focus and energy and who gives back to that, that's where I pour my time. So that's like the micro scale, like the one-on-one interactions, but then also community-wide. I'm really passionate about this thing we call, it's called Pints and Properties. It's a real estate investors meetup where once a month people get together to collaborate about real estate nerd stuff, learn something, and then drink a beer because pints and properties. And so (laughs) it was started as a place for me to meet other people. And it's turned into this place where people gravitate to learn and become, uh, build a community of like-minded people. It really, you know, you find your people there. And so that's the other place where I I give and I'm passionate about giving. And that's like kind of the community level, if that makes sense. No, I, I have a meetups group I started here for the same reason. Hey, I want to have people know me. So they send me deals, send me leads, send me everything. Uh, and it turned into, yeah, I get a lot of, uh, uh, somebody posted in our little Facebook group. Hey, because of this group, I met so-and-so and so-and-so. And we make it, you know, we just did a four and a half million dollar deal together. And that serves my soul. So I, I 100% resonate with what you just said. So now I appreciate you saying that. 
How about future adventures? What's coming up? What uh, what are you what are you excited about? Belize, you mentioned, is that the big one, or is there something else that maybe you're looking forward to? So excited about the next probably six months. So well, FinCon's next month, and then Bigger Pockets Conference. I freaking can't wait. I'm so excited. And then after that would be Belize was the one that I was thinking of as my next big yep. because damn, like getting the team together, especially now that we've been so virtual, it's like especially in a foreign country doing shit, like jumping off of whatever, learning how to surf, like horseback riding through the jungle. It's like those moments where you really bond with people, you know? hundred percent, hundred percent. That's awesome. I, I enjoy it. I'll look, I'll watch on uh, Instagram to see how that trip goes. So we're talking, right. let's see, we're in mid September or early September. So we're talking uh, what early, early November or early to mid November. Right. Yeah. And we're all going to be shredded, man. This beach shredded. Diet. I'll watch for <laughs> shredded people jumping off stuff in mid-November on your Instagram feed. Perfect. All right. Let's wrap this with a question from the GoBundance card deck. You have the eight of hearts, which as I say every week means nothing. Uh, the question is, when did you prove something, or I'm sorry, when did you prove someone wrong after they told you it won't happen? Real estate in general would be a big one for almost everyone who I worked with in the military. There was a few people who were supportive, but most people are, were totally scoffed at the idea. And then after that first year uh, being Keller Williams Rookie of the Year as an agent, and as well as acquiring, you know, 16 doors by the end of that first year, it's, I think that that's one of those moments where you look back and it's like, you know, yeah, it, I did it kind of. It's never done. It's always a work in progress, but it's, you know, you take like 30 seconds to be proud of yourself and then start working on the next thing. But I was proud for those 30 seconds. That's amazing. <laughs> well, like we said, right? People will root against you until it's popular to root for you. And you've made it very, very easy and popular to root for you. So I appreciate you telling us our, our uh, telling us your story today. What uh, is the best way for people to follow you, reach out to you, whatever you want to kind of let us know. How, what's the best way to learn more about you? Yes. If you follow me on Instagram, it's real estate with Shelby Osborne, Facebook, really real estate with Shelby O or five pillars, You can connect with us there. And that's really the best way. Love it. Love it. Shelby, I appreciate you taking the time today. Thanks so much for all of your wisdom and info. And I hope to meet you very soon. Yeah. Likewise. Thanks again for having me. Awesome. Of course. The wrong tribe confounds the right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller, Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. Thank you for tuning in to the GoBundance podcast. We hope to see you at a live event in the near future. If you're new to us, here's a quick explanation of our programs. Number one, Emerge, a web-based journey for millionaires to be. Number two, Ascend an interactive mastermind, the next stage of our journey. Number three, GoBundance Elite, the original tribe of millionaires. Number four, GoBundance Champions, five million net worth and above. Number five, GoBundance Women, a tribe of amazing badass women. For detailed information on all five of these, simply find us at GoBundance.com. Until then, grab life big.